Hey devs, welcome to the debug log episode 49, Streaming Assets Deconstructed. This week the guys and I will be talking about creating a streaming asset system for your game. We'll talk about what streaming assets actually are, when and how they should be used if you want to use them, uh, how they're handled in Unity, as well as some peripheral systems that will actually be, uh, you know, sort of helpful and necessary to get this system up and running and be useful for you, as well as some of the gotchas for developing a streaming asset system. Um, as always, we'll also have the Rapid Fire Roundup, as well as Game of the Week. And we'll also get a surprise visit from Andrew, who is surprisingly agreeable with this episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Debug Log, episode 49. Thank you. That's in November, famous. right? I'm gonna be famous! <laughs> that goes in. That's like the opener. I'm gonna be famous. No context. You're already Just in water yelling, I'm gonna be famous. <laughs> to the debug log a podcast about game development i'm ryan kilgore i'm obino parham i'm zach schneider and i'm eduardo castillo fernandez all right here we go the gang's all here except for andrew he's got better things to do and other podcasts to run he's a busy man um so tonight's episode is going to be about streaming assets but before we get into that uh bino wanted to Give an update on some of our iTunes reviews and do our usual begging yeah. said reviews. Exactly. So. It's been a couple of weeks, I think, since we've read some interviews so or our reviews. So we've got a couple stacked up, which is great. A couple of five-star reviews. So I'm going to get right into it. Uh, first one is from uh, Jay Garza, 9788. I'm going to assume that was you know born in September 7th, 1988. Uh, and she says, or he or she says, insanely great. They are so awesome. Or, I agree. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a true story. <laughs> true story, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, next one is from Dabian. Uh, the subject is com- complete inspiration with three exclamation points. And they say, before finding this podcast, I spent a long time, a lot of time searching for a podcast about game development, specifically indie dev, but only came up short because either the podcasts I found were poor quality or only made a couple of episodes. These gentlemen lay That's out not us. Yeah. Yeah. These gentlemen lay out oh, the basic in and outs of game dev with a practical approach. Their format is very relaxed and flows pretty well, but they can they can get an interview which they have a few really good ones. They will button up and treat the interview with a professional manner. <laughs> Thanks. Oh wow, we do. Button up. Okay. <laughs> you said button up. Come on, we do. <laughs> Wait, there's a little, there's a little more. There's more. There's more. There's more. There's oh, more. There's oh. more. Gentlemen. Oh wow. Sorry. Anyway, listening You're working to these, us up. Listening to these guys, I can imagine sitting down with and just relaxing with a cold one and playing some rowdy matches of Rocket League. This podcast has given me a huge boost in inspiration to start on my dream of game dev. So that was a great review. Thank you, Dabian. Uh, Last one for the week is from Varza721. says, awesome cast. Keep churning them out, guys. Almost caught up. So hopefully this uh, is another episode that you can (laughs) keep in the backlog. Uh, but yeah, a lot of great reviews. Um, we did get, oh yeah, we got another four star, which I'm not going to read because it's kind of long as well. But um, they basically just, you know, said that it's a great podcast, but, you know, they really like the more technical interviews and or technical shows. And that's what we're going to try to aim for. So, you know, this this episode is one of them. And a lot of our, I think two of our previous episodes have all been like really technical heavy. So that's what our direction we're trying to go is, you know, more technical topics uh you know intermix with some of the general ones so should be you know good going forward yeah and please please do leave us those reviews and to yeah tell us what you want to hear because uh we've got a pretty wide range of like sort of skills talents personalities you know perspectives that type of thing so you know yeah if you want more technical stuff yeah let us know even hell if you want to know about a particular thing we'll do our best to maybe you know try to incorporate that or maybe it's just like you know like maybe some more inspirational organizational type of stuff you know we we got we can do that too so let us know because the thing is that we have a like a, a big range of audience so we have beginners and we have people um that are proficient in game development and have years of experience so if uh, you want to know more about technical stuff let us know if we're going if we're making too many technical episodes the beginners please let us know too 
to um, slow down and maybe um, switch some of those. So. Yeah, absolutely, because we'll, we'll goof off with you too. So, <laughs> All right, but without, without further ado, here's one of our more technical episodes. And tonight, as I said at the beginning of the show, is going to be about uh, streaming assets. And so just to give you kind of a quick overview of you know, sort of the flow of this episode. It's basically going to be examining, uh, like, what are streaming assets? You know, you know, these are used in a lot of mobile and PC games, and we're just going to kind of examine the, you know, what is it? What is this beast? Um, and then, of course, along with that is, like, you know, sort of the, the major questions of, like, you know, how and when they should be used, like, you know, how does Unity handle them? You know, maybe what are some, you know, what are some systems around, your, you know, your streaming asset content that you might need to help support that, maintain, or just enhance it? Um, as well as a few gotchas, you know, there's always when implementing a system, like a big system like that, it's a... Uh, it, there's going to be caveats and catches and things like that that you're going to have to watch out for. And, um, you know, so we, we've messed with this a little bit in some of our own games. And so hopefully we can kind of show you where some of those pitfalls are. Um, and then, of course, the wrap up and then, uh, you know, some rapid fire roundup and game of the week. So without further ado, let's get into the what. So, guys, what do you what do you think streaming assets are? Assets that, that you stream? You <laughs> don't <laughs> define it with and the, the word. word goes to open, yeah. <laughs> Perfect definition. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess streaming assets, I don't know if you want me to guess at it, I guess, but you know my... Well, you know what they are. Yeah, I know what they are. Yeah, streaming assets are just like um, objects, models, textures, scenes, uh, you know, rooms, environments that you would stream in into your game. Um from a remote, I guess, remote location, remote repository, remote database, somewhere that's not within the game, not coupled inside the product uh, that you're streaming not on in. the device. Oh, uh, yeah, not on the device, not on the product, not on the platform that's streamed in uh, remotely and loaded in at runtime. So that's what streaming yeah. assets are. There you go. Yeah, Boom. exactly. Exactly. It's an on the fly, like load or download of, you know, anything in your game that's gonna like you know be loaded at runtime so a uh, great definition for that um and as you mentioned they're not packaged with the application so that you know that opens up opens up you know more that allows you to sort of meet those space requirements that a lot of you know like apple and android have for their stores you know it's a good way to sort of get around that or at least be able to manage it better for your own sort of you know workflow um, and these things can also be cached after downloaded too. So just just to mention that, it's not like you know you're going to be downloading these things every time, all the time, because then there would be a bandwidth concern there, especially if it's on your servers or your own like Amazon instances or whatever. You don't want to be paying for that every time. Um, but just to get into like sort of the general concept of uh, streaming assets, um, as I was saying, you know, there's sort of like the initial uh, in small install size. Uh, that that um your application will have by using this, and one of the first things you're going to need to do is like basically create these assets, which is you know essentially ex export some sort of bundles or like you know wrap your assets up in such a way that they can be downloaded on the fly, and you know immediately saying download on the fly also means you need to have some sort of storage location, okay. like some sort of CDN quick, somewhere. Sorry, quick, and C quick CDN. Oh, yeah, go sorry, ahead. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, just a step back a little bit. No, I want to ask you, um, like, streaming assets, you know, you gave the de definition, but is this something that anyone or everyone should be, like, aiming for in their game, or is it, like, a use it if you want type of thing or is this like you should definitely try to use streaming assets or does it depend and why i'd say i'd say it would depend on the game um because for certain instance some indie developer who doesn't have any money like just to, to i guess spare the they're gonna have to purchase a server somewhere or if they don't have a server running like one of their own servers they have to purchase a server space somewhere and say their game is pretty small they won't have to worry about it um, but yeah, say uh, you're a, a medium-sized company and your game has a lot of content. For instance, I worked in a game recently that had you know four gigs worth of movies. I couldn't put that in a in an iOS game that had to be put into asset bundles. So things like that. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Somebody else about to say something. Yeah, um, I was going to nope. say that it oh. also depends on the platform that you're targeting because mm -hmm. uh, if you're targeting mobile, you want your your install to be small. Otherwise, people are going to uh, are not going to just install your application because most most of them say uh, if it's more than a hundred megs, I think it's gonna say hey, you have to have uh, Wi-Fi 
and if they don't have Wi-Fi, but... true. So exactly, it, it's it's one of these things where we're not we're not never gonna have like a really definitive answer. You know, it's like you know you should use streaming assets when X. I mean, there's kind of some like hard limits. So like Zach was saying, it's like if you end up with so much content that your footprint for install is like four gigs, yeah, you could maybe you know. Is like you know you could try to package that all up and have them download it over Wi-Fi, but you know that's really going to be a big inhibitor. People are going to look at that like, oh my god, four gigs! And it's going to take twenty minutes to download or something. Yeah, forget that. I'll go find something better to do. Or, you know, so you know. But if it's on a PC or something like that, it's like again, maybe you, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you're like, hey, PC mentality is. You know, hey, I'm gonna like just download this, you know, four gigabyte thing, and then it's installed and it sits there forever. So until or until I want it gone. So you know, hey, that works. Um, so but yeah, um, it's just it's like you. Yeah, go no, ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, so I was wondering, like, uh, so if basically if it can fit in your app, fit it in your app. If it can't, then you extrapolate and start streaming assets. Is that like a general rule of thumb? In general, a general rule of thumb, I'd say yes. You know, because if your game's getting that big, um, you know, over 100 megs, which is, I guess, you know, pretty easy to do nowadays, um, then you may want to start thinking about doing that. But again, you know, as people have mentioned, it's like, you know, maybe you don't have... It, maybe it's not affordable to host like something on AD, you know Amazon Web Services or your own website and stuff and pay for that bandwidth and downloading and all that stuff. Um in which case, maybe you do do you do just have to result to you know a Wi-Fi download. Um, but yeah, I'd say you know definitely on mobile is when you want to start looking at that more because you really want that like small install size to download over cellular. That way, people just don't like you know turn away or have to or be delayed even to say like oh well I got to get to my Wi-Fi at home or at the office and then I'll download it and then they may forget and you know what I mean. It's like. You, you want them when they've got that impulse to actually just be able to execute on it. So Yeah, on mobile, um, you, but want I mean, to, uh, to, you want them to install the application even if they have to download a bunch of things afterward, but you want them to have the application. Right, yeah, exactly. And then, I mean, even in the PC space, like, say, an MMO, I mean, you, you don't even necessarily need to download that all at once. You know, all the high-level dungeons, if your guy's level 1, there's a level 50 dungeon, it's like, he might head over there, he might sneak in there if he's a real explorer and wants to do it, but most likely most people aren't going to need this in the, you know, base install. So you can, like, maybe, you know, again, save some uh, hard drive space, save them some install time and wait time and just say, hey, this will stream on the fly when we think you're going to get close to it or something like that so but yeah you bring up a good point it's definitely something you need to sit down and like think about because you may or may not want to use it you know it's, it's up to you and your project yeah but in, you know, in keeping with that like i was saying there's um you know if you're going to use it you know you're going to need a place to keep these uh to keep these assets you know and we're going to talk a little bit about how like how unity exports these assets and um, but you know these could be just something of your own design too, your own little like memory map files or something like that. But um, you know you're gonna want a like a, what's called a CDN or a content delivery network, and that's just basically a you know fancy acronym for saying a, a place to host your files. You know it's like a website that'll just serve them up. You know. Um, so you'll, you'll, you know, you'll have to have that remote location that way, you know, anybody in the world can just connect up and say, you know, download your assets. Um, so, you know, you'll have the client requesting these assets. And then, you know, another aspect of it is that once the client has requested them, you know, you don't want to re-download them every time because, you know, there's that, you know, the cost of serving them up. So you want to have something that's intelligent on the client that says, okay, you know, I'm going to cache this locally now that I have it. I'll remember I have it, and the next time I run the game, if I say you know go back to Tokyo, I don't need to re-download Tokyo because I already have it. I don't, and you know then you won't incur that cost what game yourself. Is this? And it's a faster load time. <laughs> See what? No, I was saying what game is this? Well, I'm just you're a, going well, to Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I don't know. Godzilla game. There you go. Boom. <laughs> it's a game. Here, here, I'm going to design this on the fly. It's a game about monsters, and you go to Tokyo for the Godzillas. You go to. Uh, North America for the giant ants that were created by radiation. It's kind of like a Pokemon Collectum game. So. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I'm full of crap. I'm full of crap. So anyway, um, but so that's sort of the general idea of a streaming asset system is you've got, you know, the client requesting the assets from a remote location. And then once that's happened, you want 
an ability to actually cache those on the client. So the next time the game runs and wants to load those assets, you can do it faster, you can do it cheaper, and you know it's just right there at your fingertips. So, um, and of course, Unity provides a lot of tools to make this uh, fairly easier, fairly smooth. Um, uh, like, and I, I've used this in my projects in the past, but uh, have you guys used it before? Any of the unit asset bundling or streaming? Like, what have been your experiences with it and Unity's implementation? I haven't used it. Um, I've used it a little bit. I like. I'm not gonna claim to like have really put it in a project, but I've done like a a, a project just specifically to look at asset bundles. Um, right. The the only thing that I've run across that is really noteworthy is that it it adds a lot of overhead to your project. So every time you make a new asset that's in one of those asset bundles, you have to remake that asset bundle, right, with a new version. So you really have to have kind of your own tracking system for those versions. So yeah, it, we'll get into that. There are some definitely if you're using this, uh, there are some. You know, I kind of sort of hand wave and said, oh, it's great. You can just sort of download it on the fly and cache it. But there are definitely some peripheral systems that you're going to want to make sure that, like Zach was saying, you've got the right version of this asset. Because, you know, if your game's dynamic, things are going to change over time. And you might have to replace your uh, giant irradiated ant with a new version of it. It glows orange instead of green now or something like that. Who knows? But you want to make sure that the player's seeing the right version of your irradiated ant. So, yeah. Speaking of. Um, uh, uh, speaking of like um, versioning and the management of like assets, uh, you may get th- get into this a little later. I'm not sure, but like as your game grows, I know if you like start off with something small, like um, I don't know, a, I don't know what's a small game, like a snake game or something. But then you eventually ramp up, and you're building, you're including so many assets in your project to you know build out the city of Tokyo and US. Um, like, how do you manage? Like, how do you manage your assets and we might get into this later. I might I might be jumping ahead, but just like, how do you manage? Just like structurally, you know, manage a project uh, for your asset bundles. Like I could, like uh, Zach said, that overhead of managing what assets are where and and how how that process. Uh, so okay, you, yeah. are you asking no. how do you how do you implement the the assets, like additional assets that you didn't plan on, or? Well, there's also an organizational aspect yeah. to it too. Um, so, and I'll go into that. Yeah, a little later. It's kind of in the it's in the gotchas section, but it's not yeah. necessarily. It's I really maybe shouldn't call them gotchas. It's just like sort of shit to think about because, um, like like you said, there's you definitely want to have some yeah. forethought into how you set these things up and organize them because you know again like I was saying with that level one or level fifty, you know dungeon experience in an MMO, you know, you don't want to have the level 50 dungeon package with the level one stuff. Um, you know, cause that would just be kind of silly to download those at the same time. Cause there's no way the player is going to see that for a while, but yeah, I'll get into that in just a sec. So unity's implementations. All right. So as we were saying before, um, you know, we need to create these actual at our actual asset bundles and unity has, you know, a native way of doing this which is being able to sort of tag your prefabs for bundles or or mark them. So if you know if you're in your project, you can actually like go to an asset bundle or some sort of or sorry a prefab or uh, some sort of asset like that. You know, click on it and then you'll actually see at the bottom of the inspector like oh hey uh, section for the asset bundle. And here's where you can actually mark and say like basically give it sort of a, almost a file system hierarchy. Like you might have you might say okay I want to create a new asset bundle and this one's going to have sort of the path of characters slash enemies and then this is the spider and then you may also tag the skeleton with you know characters slash enemies and then the witch with characters slash enemies and that means that all these. <clears throat> All these assets will be placed in the character slash enemies bundle, essentially. So, like when the client actually cranks up and is looking for this content, it's like, oh, I need, I need these enemies. You know, it'll download the spider, the skeleton, and the, and the witch. But this is a way to, like, you know, in Unity to mark how you want to organize things. Um, and there's also. Uh, you know, targeting a platform for your asset bundles as well. Cause you know, there's, you know, you're going to want a different manifest, say maybe for like, if I'm targeting for Android via PC. So it'll, it will accommodate that as well. And these two things come together in one of the uh, build pipeline calls in uh, Uni, which is uh, the build pipeline build asset bundles. Uh, when you call that with your target platform, you know, it'll actually go through 
everything tagged with an asset bundle. So like those characters, enemies, characters, heroes, characters, or sorry, not characters, but locations slash swamps or something like that. And it will start actually building out a manifest and these, and actually pumping out these asset bundles for you. And the manifest is basically just a record keeping of like what assets are where. So again, like say if I want the witch, it knows, okay, you want the witch, gotcha. All right, well that witch is in this asset bundle, which is, you know, maybe here on the CDN. It basically gives you sort of that path to the asset when requested. Um, um, Ryan, uh, yeah. quick question. When you say that an asset is tagged in, a, in an asset bundle, you're saying an asset is included in an asset bundle, right? Correct. Exactly. Because so, I'm asking because, you know, in the right beside the asset bundle um, drop down, there's a, a tag icon that you can include per asset that makes it like searching for an asset um, easier. So you can put whatever you want in that asset. It's uh, similar to the the tax that you have in game objects, but oh sorry, what are you saying? Ta a, a tag, an actual tag for it or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. A tag. Ah, uh, uh. it has a tag. Oh, okay, icon. yeah, yeah. You can basically. Oh, okay. I, I just I don't, don't, I don't know want people to get confused. <laughs> yeah. Ah, gotcha. No, I, I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, like in the inspector, the asset bundling stuff's more toward the bottom down there. I think is is the tag stuff sort of more toward the top? Yeah. If I remember right, it's to the right. To the right. So gotcha. you see the, the drop down that says asset bundle. Then to the right, there's another drop down, and on top of that, well, that's the, that's, that's, that's the variant that for the variant. Yeah, that's the asset variant. Yeah. The tags on game objects are to the top. I think that's what Ryan was saying. But oh, yeah, the, okay. the asset oh, sorry, bundle variant is to the right of the asset bundle path location. So, right, and that that variant is just like so you can set like standard definition or or uh, high definition things like that so you can have two different variants of the same asset bundle exactly. but using two different uh like say two different quality of textures so cool yep yep right on yeah oh um one other thing before we move on um mm -hmm. ryan you were mentioning uh building it with a certain platform Mm -hmm. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can't say if you have it an iOS build and you build your asset bundle and you switched it to P PC, you still you wouldn't be able to use those assets that you built in those asset bundles when you were in iOS, right? For PC, yeah. Um, actually, let me let me think about that. Uh, well, yeah, it would it would depend on what platform you're currently dialed in for, because you're gonna want to you're gonna want to build like you build out for you know your particular platform. So if yeah, like you're in your Android platform right now, then um. If I remember right, you don't like your those assets you build out right there for Android. Those aren't going to work for iOS because you weren't it, they weren't set up for that. So you know there there there's going to be specific ways it handles the textures, the geometry, all that. So yeah, when you're targeting a platform, that means you know hey, I'm in my Android you know project set to build for Android, and then I say okay, build asset bundles. So it'll build out all those asset bundles for the Android platform, and then create a manifest for the Android platform, and then you right. switch over to iOS and can do the same thing and a lot of this can be you know automated too in like some of your uh continuous integration and build processes mm -hmm. all right cool cool yeah um oh and then i guess there's one other thing which is the uh streaming assets folder uh you can actually use that to build your asset bundles out to now that will actually allow you to sort of like do some simulation if you say don't have maybe a cdn yet cdn yet you can set up your application to try to look in this folder and load those asset bundles on the fly. Now, this will still package it with your application, though. So this is more of an interim, let's say, on your way to having an official sort of streaming asset set up. You know, because like we were saying before, if you kept those in, you know, streaming assets and it gets packaged in with the APK or, you know, your iOS application or whatever, it's it's going to increase your download size dramatically and your your sort of like disk footprint. So, it, but I just wanted to kind of let you know that that it that's there, and so you can kind of look locally for it just to sort of simulate it. And then you know you could maybe maybe just have an interface for loading those assets, and you can move from loading it from the streaming assets locally to maybe your you know when you get your CDN in place. But just so you know, that's there to sort of you know help out. With so the speaking of that folder, stuff. is that. Is yeah. that the only folder you can stream assets from? Could you not place it in another folder within your project and stream from there? Um, you well, I actually, yeah, well, 
You could, but I don't think they will deploy from there. That's a good question. I don't necessarily have an answer for that off the cuff here um, because I know just like by default, the streaming assets, you know, anything tagged with an asset bundle will be can, will be moved to the streaming assets. But, um, you know, if you could find a way to package it up locally, I, th- I guess you could maybe do it. I've never tried that, to be honest, so I don't know. Cool. Way to corner <laughs> exactly. me, thanks. I actually don't <laughs> yeah. think you can, but that... Yeah. I don't think you can either. Yeah. I, well, I always think there's a hack yeah. for it. I always think there's a way you could, but you probably you shouldn't. Could, so. <laughs> like, for instance, if you put it in a separate folder, say if you're on PC, there's a way to like kind of hack through that. So if you were to like launch your own server on your PC, then you could download it from there. But right. it's kind of like, it, yeah, there's not I mean, really a point in that. No, there, there's really not, because it's like, this, if you're not going to use, I mean, you can use the streaming assets folder sort of for the testing of streaming. Because uh, then other than that, you're just going to leave it, what, like the resources directory, and then you can just call all the APIs for loading resources. So it's, gotcha. you know, it would be kind of silly to try to sort of skirt it when they've, Unity's actually already provided a way to do it if you want to. So, yeah, yeah. anywho. So having having your assets in the streaming assets folder would be uh, equivalent to have them in the resources folder. Uh, well, not exactly equ- equivalent because you, you can't make the same, uh, I don't think you can make the exact like sort of API calls that you can for stuff in the resources folder, um, but you, it will actually allow you to sort of like, you know, put those on device and simulate streaming it remotely. Uh, when, you say, when you say that API um, calls, it's like the unpackaging of the assets and all that? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about like, you know, when you actually, because there are API calls to actually like load resources and that will actually load it from the resource directory, which is packaged with the application. Like actual um, class and this is, and that, right, exactly. Um, whereas the streaming assets is more of just like a, hey, here's my local cache. And then you like, you can use the manifest to navigate and load from that. And again, it's just a, a mechanism for like sort of simulating your streaming until you get the actual stuff set up. So cool. You did well, right? That makes yeah. sense. Is that kind of <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. girl, and You did well. <laughs> oh God! I thought I was done interviewing. I have a job already. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, yeah. So you know, again, you can create these assets. Put them in the streaming assets. Uh, you, you will actually uh, Unity will create a manifest to for you to actually use to mm, excuse me access these assets, uh, and then that's when you start to get to the fun part of the runtime. And then during the runtime, Unity provides things such as the, the Unity web request that will actually allow you to, which is, I believe, the sort of new version of the, the www coroutine. I think that sits on top of like .NET um, or whatever's uh, actual web request architecture as well. But anyway, that, um, that's what you're going to use to like actually say, hey, go get that asset. So you'll actually use that to contact your CDN um, or your website, you know, I guess in more layman terms, to actually go get that asset of the enemies. And then that will download the, you know, the spider, the witch, and the skeleton. So, um, oh, Andrew's bothering us. He's not even online for this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, so anyway, the manifest will tell you where to go get that stuff, and you, you can use Unity's web request to load all that. And, I, and there's also another function, uh, which there may be an updated one for this as well, which is uh, www load from cache or download. And that again is like you're going to basically say, hey, go to this location to get this uh, asset bundle of the enemies that has the witch spider and um, skeleton in it, and you know, if it's already been downloaded, it'll just load it locally. So it will actually remember and hold that locally if, you know, if it's already been downloaded. It won't go get it again. So you want to you want to make that call to sort of do a sanity check to say, hey, you know, if I don't have it, let's go get it. Otherwise, you know, you know um, I'm going to need to, you know, actually like load, download it and load it again. So, so that's kind of like a really high-level look at uh, Unity's way of doing things. Um, you guys got any questions about that or does that kind of make sense to you or... It makes sense. Yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, cool. Um, well, I guess, you know, um, the next sort of thing to do here is talk about the sort of peripheral systems around that. And that's kind of some of the conversations we were having earlier is, like, obviously we mentioned, like, you know, a CDN and caching. 
Um, so CDN is just, again, the store, the data store for where these things are. And then the caching um, starts to become more of the trick. You know, that's caching using, say, Unity's built-in APIs to whether or not you download it or not. But then there's also sort of caching it in memory for yourself. You might want to write some, um, you know, some... Uh, software to actually say do do checks to keep it in memory or not basically cache management so if i've you know already loaded into memory the skeleton witch or spider you know my code before even calling any of unity stuff could maybe just check hey have i've already loaded this prefab you know can i have already put it into maybe even an object pooling system if so well then let's just go ahead and use one of those instead of like you know actually going through unity trying to do all the download checks and stuff like that so you know that's sort of a local caching of it is like hey we've got it we've loaded it we've put it into the object pool uh so this now asset manager is like hey i know where to find that here's here's an instance from the pool run with it have fun so right and if if um, you need to do that you can um always just pull the manifest separately and then check through the manifest. So say you, you download each asset um, from those manifests as you need them and then you save them locally, um, say just somewhere else in your in uh, on device, then you can just check on that asset, check for the name. And then uh, if you have it cached, then don't download it. If not, or if if you don't have it downloaded, right. then then pull it again. Yeah, yeah th- th- there's definitely many layers to it because, like, you know, what you're saying, you'd still maybe use the manifest to say, hey, you know, dub dub dub, load from cache or download. I want this, and it's like, oh, great, I've actually got that cached on disk locally. I don't have to go run get that, but I still have to load it into memory. And then it's right. loaded into memory, and then it's like, okay, great. I got that for you, so now I'll pass this off to you. And you're like, okay, great. Now see my asset manager code I've written is like, okay, great. Now I've got this asset, this prefab. I can start instantiating this as much as I want. You know, maybe I'll pass this off to an object pooling system, or you know, you know, do whatever with it. But um, I only mentioned that that way because I've had issues with the uh, download and cache function. Uh, I can't yeah, remember. I, it, it's been a while since I did it, but I, I I can't remember exactly the reason why I couldn't download in cache. Um, well, I remember in earlier versions, it. there were definitely limits to, like, say, the size, I think, of that cache and things of that nature. I don't know mm-hmm. that those are there anymore. Uh, personal experience, I haven't, you know, had a problem with that recently, but... Um, yeah, it's like oh, I haven't. We haven't had a problem with it, like in some of the projects we've been doing at uh, Sprockets. So, <laughs> but um, Ryan, where in, in what instance would you use that? Uh, where you in your project you don't have too much um, CPU um, intensive tasks, but you need to switch um, assets a lot, things like that, or because if you have something that is uh, consuming your CPU and you have all that. Um, processing, just caching your assets, it's, it's going to slow down your application or your game. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, it all depends on your application. Um, I mean, the, the, the processing, you, you can work on the processing. So like I was saying, with that asset manager and using an object pooling system, if you're concerned about like downloading, uh, maintaining and instantiating assets, that'll help with, like say, the CPU runtime end of things. Uh, but there's also concerns for this caching and uh, just memory footprint. So, like, say, for instance, on iPhone, you get about, like, I think it's two gigs of memory to work with. Sounds like a lot, but, you know, you can start blowing that out real fast if you're, you know, if you're not sort of keeping track of things. Uh, so, and what I'm meaning there is, like, you know, say you download and cache all this stuff and you're holding it in memory. Well, again, let's just, I guess, roll with the whole MMO thing or whatever. Say, like... You know, you, this user has this insane play session where they go from, like, level 1 to 25. So they've maybe seen half your game. All of a sudden, you've got, like, half the game's assets loaded. But that guy's never going to go back to... Or probably isn't going to go back to level 1 anytime soon. But now you're hitting memory barriers because it's like, oh, we've loaded half the game's assets. Um, so that's when you, like, as far as those caching and management systems, you want to start saying, let's start kicking things out of memory. Like, we may need to download level 26, level 30, something in the future. So, you you know, that's another performance hit you may have to look for, is saying, okay, I need to, like, kick out some of these assets because there's going to be new stuff coming in, and, you know, I need some metric to say I don't need these, quote-unquote, old assets anymore because the player is just probably not right. going to see them. So, it, yeah, it's sort of another thing to sort of think like about. It sounded like a Zach PlayStation, or a PlayStation. But a uh, quick question. 
um, yeah. So you're talking about like caching and like loading level 30, level 40. I was wondering what goes into like, you know, specifying what assets would go into what asset bundle. Like how would you, I think we talked, I brought this up a little earlier. It's just like the met. You're not paying attention. I mean, no, yeah. am I really not? <laughs> No, this is good. No, no, this, this is, is good. This is a good no, question. I told him yeah, to hold off for this. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> just like managing, like go hang yourself, hangman. <laughs> now that was just cruel. <laughs> so, Ouch, yeah, no, that was kind of. It was also a, was a little messed it was up. A promo. <laughs> but anyway, like what goes into like managing the asset bundle? And like, um, you know, because you could you could just attach, like you said, everything in level thirty. I want to load from this asset. So I don't have to keep hitting these, you know, web requests. You need a web request, or you could say, "Hey, I just give me, you know, the hero, or give me the Godzilla, or give me the Japan Tower model," uh, and, and that's going to be just one web request. So I was wondering, like, how how do, what determines how you split up your asset bundles and package that stuff together? Yeah, that's that's going to take, um, you know, the developer actually sort of analyzing their system and you know seeing what makes sense about how to sort of segment and segregate your data that way um i mean because there's no real like you know sort of like all-inclusive answer obviously with any of this stuff it's games it's like you know maybe it is level maybe you know things are tagged to a certain level or a certain area like you know like i've got uh you know the u.s here and colorado is my level one area maybe i just put everything in the like Colorado asset bundle and load that. Or, you know, it, it could be like by another category by like, Hey, I need everything that is like a fire based enemy or something like that. Um, it depends on your game really. Um, you know, a lot of the times I see it broken up by, you know, just, you know, looking at sort of logical areas of the game. So say maybe you're, you've got a world map and there's assets that need to be loaded for the world map, you know, so you're going to say, okay, when they go to the world map, we'll just package up everything in there and we'll use it for that logical location in the game. Or maybe, you know, then they go to a combat instance. It's like, okay, well, they're going to this combat instance, so we need to load, like, these... And it's of this, say, like, biome. Say, like, we need to load the snow yetis in... Or, I guess, all yetis are snow yetis. <laughs> not sure about that. Anyway, but... Anyway, so you'd, you'd load in those guys. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, so I'm going to the Alps, you know, and I'm playing the little ski game. I need to load the Abominable Snowman and stuff like that. You know what That's I mean? It's like, it's it's a very game-specific thing. So, um, and, it, you know, and it could, again, it could be, it could be biome-wise. It could be logical section of the game-wise. It could be, like, you're just in the flow. What section of the UI am I in? And I know I'm going to have this next section of UI coming up. So maybe I should package everything for the store in the same asset bundle because, you know, when the user wants to go to the store, I'm going to need all that. But until they do, I don't need all that. So let's just categorize that as store shit and we'll load it when we need it. Cool. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's like this asset streaming stuff is definitely about analyzing your game and just kind of how it makes sense for user flow and like, you know, just trying to find that sort of optimal way to present things to the player and like, you know, also optimal for, you know, reducing load times and, uh, you know, reducing bandwidth and data usage for, you know, out of your own pocket there. So, um, yeah, so no, definitely a great question, guys. <laughs> it's good for him to ask that. So. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, what do we? What else we got for the gotchas here? Oh, yeah. Okay. So we've gone over memory constraints. We've, we've kind of touched on load times. Obviously, downloading this stuff is going to increase your load times. Uh, we mentioned cache management, cost of hosting. Uh, oh, actually, if you're not careful, this is this is a common one too. Things may pop in. You know, I don't know if you've ever played a game and shit just sort of like appears in front of you, like boop. Oh, there's the wizard. Boop. Oh, there's the dragon. You know, it's like. Like, where did they come from? I don't know. They magicked out of the ether, which made sense in that analogy. But, you know, it, it, a lot of the times just seeing stuff pop in out of nowhere doesn't look very good. It's just kind of a, you know, a cruddy, unpolished looking, you know, sort of experience. So that's one thing to think about as well is you may need some systems that know when you've like sort of finished loading all the assets you want for an area. That way you can present them elegantly when it's time. So it's like, you know, having a loading screen that can accurately wait the right amount of time. And then, you know, when you drop into, say, your combat instance, like, hey, look, everybody's loaded up here. It's ready to go. And you don't have this weird sort of popping in and out or the stuttering of things when, like, the first gunshot was fired. Wait, I've got to load that projectile. Hold on. Let me go download it and insert it and then create it and then, like, render it and then, bam, fire. Well, that, you know, 
that should have happened like two seconds ago, and that just gotcha. looks crazy. So actually, that brings me to the question. I'm not sure if we touched on this explicitly, but are streaming assets uh, the way implemented, you know, the way you implement it in Unity, is that asynchronous stuff, or is like every time you are loading an asset from a manifest from a bundle, it's happening asynchronously, or is it a synchronous thing? So I guess from that description, it sounds like it was asynchronous, but just to- um, yeah, it's, well, I guess, you know, it, it, it depends on how you want to enforce it. You know, a lot of it is just naturally asynchronous because, um, you know, like I was saying, like, you've got a lot of the, like, the, like at least the old dub, dub, dub stuff. And I'm sure probably for the unity web request things as well, you know, those are coroutines. So those are going to be asynchronous in nature. You know, they're, they're not like truly multi-threaded, but at the same time, they're going to yield processing time. So you could move on and do something else. And then these things can come back later and, and alert your other systems. Hey, I finished downloading that thing. You know, I know you're in combat right now, but here's your bullet. So, you know, so it, yeah, so it, it can be synchronous or asynchronous. I mean, in general, it's more of an asynchronous thing, right? Because you're calling out to yeah. an I.O. to go out to the web to download something and instantiate it. So it's by nature going to be more of an asynchronous thing. But you can kind of, I mean, well, it is asynchronous, but you need to manage it in such a way that the user just sees it as like step one, step two, step three. And I never knew that the magic happened behind the scenes. So cool. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, I guess before we move on, another gotcha is um, you can't put uncompiled code into asset bundles. So the code has oh, already right. be into yeah. your compiled game. Um, so, for instance, if you have a script on your wizard, it has to be already compiled in your game um, or else it won't be included in that asset bundle. Um, I've read that you can put compiled code. So say uh, you can build like these, these plugins and put them into your... Uh, into your asset bundles, but I'm not quite sure how that works. I haven't actually uh, implemented that myself. Yeah, actually, no, you're right, Zach. That's that's actually a very good way of doing it. Or I've, I've found like a pretty nice way to package things is, like you were saying with the plugins, you can actually say write, um, again, C-sharp is what I'm most familiar with, um, but so you can write DLLs. And these DLLs, you know, when they're in the plugins directory and imported into Unity, uh, well, Unity, if they're in the plugins directory, will automatically make that code available. But, you know, you can basically um, use that as they were just like, say, quote unquote, raw scripts. You could have your own, you know, project outside of Unity that compiles out a DLL and then put that in the plugins directory. And then you can actually query for that, like a class in there, just as you would like just a raw script sitting in Unity's hierarchy or on, you know, the disk or whatever. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend that. So it's like, you know, you may have all these uh, assets with these certain scripts on them and this and that. And uh, that's, you know, it's it's fine to, you know, it'll work out fine because um, you'll download it. But and say like, this is one of the, the DLLs are one of the things you're going to want to package with like just sort of the, um, you know, the, the base install. And those are usually very low cost, very small footprint, you know, a few K of, you know, disk space and then those will contain all the scripts so when you download that spider it'll have you know maybe a lot of the logic for its you know ai system on there or something like that and when the deal will be loaded up and then the spider can reference that code and then off to the races so um i would definitely recommend that um it can be annoying sometimes when you're maybe like if you've got everything running at once and you recompile your dll over here then unity is like hold on leave me alone while i re-import your dll and yeah, but it's a minor annoyance but for a, gr- a much greater convenience. So, Yeah, I only mentioned that because uh, Abina asked earlier, like, what if you start out with a snake game and then all of a sudden you have the, it, it kind of expands? You kind of have to either make those DLLs or rebuild the application and make them re-download or, or supply right. an update. So those are the, kind of your two options for that. Yeah, so- but, um, yeah, I mean, again, the code side of things is generally easier because, I mean, the code's such an infinitesimally small footprint, obviously, compared to art assets. Like, you know, how much code could you cram into so much texture space? A lot. So it's like, I'm I've got a high-res artists. texture, you know? It's like, oh, great, I could probably write a few different mini-games in there. But, um, yeah, anyway, those are a lot of the gotchas, I guess. If you guys have any more you can think of, because... Yep, sounds pretty not good. Not it for me. No, but um, but yeah, just to you know, sort of wrap things up. That's pretty. That's streaming assets, sort of in a nutshell. I guess it's a little more in a nutshell, but um, you know, they're a very useful tool for uh, you know, again, asset management, space management. You know, actually, you know, 
uh, you know, presenting things to the user in a timely fashion. It's um, it's definitely a really cool system to use. And, you know, maybe you need it, maybe you don't, but I definitely encourage you to look into it because, um, you know, it provides a lot of uh, utility and options for you. So, and I'm being told to shut up because I'm droning on again. So. <laughs> sure. I just, I just, wa- I just want to say that this has been a really great episode. I've, yes. I've agreed with everything that has been said so far. Shut up, Andrew. And, yeah. and I just, I just, I mean, ditto on ditto, all the above. Ditto, and ditto. <laughs> he was frantically taking notes. Yeah. He was like, oh, it's like, holy shit! Hold on, hold on. <laughs> let me write this down. Oh, welcome to the show, Andrew. Oh. Thank you. <laughs> Better late than never. Yeah, <laughs> we missed you. It's good. I didn't mean All to derail right. it, but that's good. It's good. No, that's fine. That's a good way to end. <laughs> that's exactly. Andrew's here. Party's <laughs> over. Cool. Rapid fire roundup. All right, we'll take a break and we'll come back for rapid fire roundup. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Contributed. <laughs> All right, we're back for Rapid Fire Roundup. We had some exciting stories this week. We had a plethora of press conferences on the same day. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the latter, we'll, we'll go to a little bit more video game related first. It was the Sony had a big press conference, I guess it was Thursday of last week, um, where the big announcements was they, first they announced their PS4 Slim, which who cares? <laughs> Which I don't. I mean, that's. It's kind of weird to announce that on. Tell the, us how you. Well, really it's weird feel. to announce that on the same day. But the big news was that the Project Neo. We talked about this in previous episodes, and we didn't want to talk about it until they were actually put some solid details to it. They announced that it's called the PS4 Pro. Yeah. Which is. Yes. Which means the other one is PS4 Noob, I guess. But like, <laughs> and it's it's a it's a coming out in November. It's double the power of a normal PS4, and they really went into this. And I, I, I don't know. What do you guys feel about this? They they showed a lot of stuff, and what would <laughs> what amounted to they had um, Matt Cerny come out, which he's like a brilliant Matt Cerny, right? That's his name. He's a brilliant guy, but it was the most boring press conference in the world. <laughs> it was my God. I mean, it was just kind of like, here's our stuff. I hope you like it. Goodbye. I was just like, guys, come on, man. It's got to sex this up somehow. It had a very monotone voice. This is the company. Sony had a, at E3, they had a press conference with a live orchestra. Oh, yeah. That was amazing. (laughs) You know? There you go. That's a good point. And this was just like in a room, in a back room going, hey, we got some, like their mics weren't working. Like, his mic's not working. They start like saying that stuff. (laughs) So the PS4, it looks neat. I mean, I, do you guys feel, I kind of feel that this is like, they, the promise of the PlayStation VR is like, it'll work in PS4, but like, yeah, but we kind of need to juice it up to work better. They said it still will work with a normal PS4, but they were, they kind of hid that, they buried well, the lead a little yeah. bit, but they're saying it's much better with the PS4 Pro. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, th- here's the thing with the whole like the whole VR thing. You're you're gonna need horsepower. You know, I don't, I don't know what their target is. You know, but I would say to like push a Vive now. Maybe the PS4 can do it. I'm not super convinced. We've seen of the that, demos over the past couple of years with it. Like at Unite last year, they had a PS4 with the. I mean, oh yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They had the headset uh, in the in the big room. What wait was it was it like a Vive or was it like a no PS- they had a P- the, uh, yeah, Project Morpheus at the time but it was on a PS4 and it had the, like the little the, the you know the getaway demo and stuff so I mean it, it works on a PS4 oh, right, but right. there I feel like you might you might throw up with the PS4 but with the PS4 Pro you well, it's the- better you know. Right, exactly, because it, it all depends on what frame rates they're pushing, resolutions, head tracking, you know, I, there's a lot that goes into it, that, you know, it's not just like, hey, we've got a headset. Yay. I mean, but do, do, you, know? do you guys, like, really, I wanted to bring this up, I mean, because obviously it's the biggest news in the game world the past couple of weeks, but, like, we, we, we first started talking about Project Scorpio, and, like, the, the thing about this is the PS4, where they have, like, 40 million purchases of the PS4 or something, they're ahead by a lot. Does this like muddy right. the waters a bit? Because I mean, Scorpio is going to come out and it's going to be far superior. It's like this is like whatever they did some kind of analysis, and this is like four teraflops, but the Scorpio is like six. They don't even know yet, and the Scorpio has time to even improve upon that. 
So if this is the yeah. next step, like the half level of a generation up, Scorpio is going to blow it out of the water. So do you think this is kind of a weird increment in this generation for PS for Sony? I think it's weird for both because you're right. It's like it's a weird increment for Sony because now you've got, you know, you're you're releasing a slim, even though you already got a huge install base of original PS4 people. Like I was kind of thinking about it, but then now you've got your Pro and then Scorpios on the horizon. I've got an Xbox One. Um, and you know, I'm already thinking about, well, I'm probably going to ditch that for Scorpios. So do I want to get a PS4 pro? Cause supposedly Scorpios, I mean, you're, I'm almost getting into this PC mode of like, Oh God, it's not going to be reliable for another seven years. So like, I got to really think about what I'm going to be picking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> any of you guys, cause I know you don't, Zach and Obina don't have, are not PS4 owners. Do you, did this entice you to buy a PS4 pro at all? Not at all. Either. Not at all. I, I think if anything, I'll, I'll be waiting for the Scorpio. That's just weird. It's like it's like mm-hmm. we're gonna put something out now, but it's like if you wait a year, yeah, exactly. It's like why did they renounce the PS4 Slim? Who's buying the PS4 Slim yeah. if it's coming out at the same time as? It's just weird. I don't know. It's almost like removing a head jack from an iPhone, but that's another story. I mean, are they? It just feels. (laughs) You do? Wait, do I get one hundred and sixty dollars headphones? Or related to that, we'll jump to that one. (laughs) (laughs) Also, that same day, the Apple had a big thing with the uh, iPhone Seven. Yeah, which okay. So, Mm -hmm. and that was a big thing. But they opened up that it was very video game centric, and they opened up uh, with um, with Mario. Uh, yeah. They're bringing Mario to iOS, which is a big deal, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that's like immediate billion dollars. They talked about it for a long time. It's like, you guys don't have to talk about this much. You just say it's yeah, because, <laughs> it's going to make a billion dollars. It's the first time that Mario goes out of uh, like Nintendo platform, right? Well, no. Yeah, absolutely. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, 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 did, they did a big thing earlier this year where they're like, well, we're going to go beyond that and actually you know, put stuff on mobile. But this is the first time that Mario... I guess they kind of did it with Pokemon, and they did it with it. What is that weird, like me you game or something, where it's like your Wii profiles or something? That was their first dip in that. Wait, they what? did like a weird, I don't know, social network thing. But this is their first full on oh, game. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. they had Miyamoto yeah, there yeah. <laughs> at an Apple yeah. press conference, which is a big deal. Like that's a that's a it's an endless runner though. Did he have the contract. For, <laughs> it's like did he have a contract for his soul there. It's an endless runner kind of though. Well, maybe it's not endless. It does have stages, but it's like. Okay, well, I don't know. It's like, but it'll make a million dollars or billion dollars. Who cares? Oh yeah, <laughs> it'll make him money. I probably won't play it that long. <laughs> so, all right, the next story I had is uh, Bioware. They have the big Mass Effect, which we saw at the PS4, which is the most uh, coverage we saw. The PS4 Pro conference they had Mass Effect Andromeda footage there, which looked pretty great. I'm excited about that. But they also have a contest going on now for all you guys with your sultry voices. You can. Uh, <laughs> You can submit, uh, I guess you can submit a tape and you could be a voice in the new game, which is fun. Obina, come on. You want to do that? Oh, yeah. I'm an alien. (laughs) (laughs) That would be fantastic. Well done. Uh, and the last one, just real quick, uh, Rob Pardo, formerly of Blizzard, you know, he's a big wig at Blizzard for a bunch of years. He actually talked at, um, wasn't he the keynote speaker at Unite in uh, oh, Boston was, was, last year? Yeah. yeah. And so he he started his own uh, company called Bonfire Studios. Yeah, Bonfire Studios in California. And he like he said he got the, the idea from the success of Hearthstone, which is, you know, made in Unity. Like, that was such a small team. He's like, I can make a game that's with small teams that could be just as successful as other, these games that require 200 people. And actually, John Riccatello, you know, the CEO of Unity, is an investor in that company now. So that's, that's interesting. Like, I, I, these guys get big and they just kind of split off and form their own stuff. So Get big, then go small. Yeah. So unity, yeah, that's what made it possible, I guess. But so, yeah, that's rapid fire roundup for this week. Pew pew pew. Pew pew pew. All right. Oh god. <laughs> now it's time for. Tonight's game of the week is Deus Ex, the sequel to the kind of the reboot or the re kind of of the franchise is Deus Ex Mankind Divided. And you've been, you've had like 20 hours into that, Ryan. How do you like it? 
Yeah, I've been playing it quite a bit, and I really like it. It's it's definitely a continuation of like sort of the spirit of you know the Deus Ex games. I mean, you are Adam Jensen, an augmented individual who is you know working for a corporation to try to you know track down terrorists, as well as. But in this one, you're also sort of identifying with some of the people who are considered terrorists because, you know, there's a divide between quote-unquote naturals and augs. So you've got kind of some, you know, split feelings on like, hey, these guys are maybe, you know, being terrorists, but they're kind of like me too. So you've kind of got to like pick your sides. But the biggest thing is in the spirit of Deus Ex is there is a lot of fun in just how you can sort of execute things, which is what I've always loved about the games. So if you don't know, it's basically... Um, you know, you're you're presented with a lot of situations where, say, you may need to go interrogate somebody, and they're of course, you know, behind in their gang headquarters, hiding out, and you need to get in there. Well, you could maybe go the director out through the door, run and gun. You know, that's a perfectly valid option. You can kill everyone in front of you, and then go confront them. There's also the aspect of, hey, maybe I just like sort of sneak through everywhere and plop down behind them, like, hey, what's up? You didn't see me, did you? And then you know. <laughs> you just sort of deal with things from that angle, you know. Maybe you still threaten them with, or maybe you could even use like uh, you know some dialogue options to just talk to the guy. And then there's also options for just like hacking your way through things. Like again, you you know maybe you're not a pacifist, but you can, ha- but you don't want to do things sort of like up front with a gun. So you can hack systems to uh, have gun turrets execute you know guards and things of that nature. Um, but it's been a very fun game so far. Actually, I was telling these guys earlier um, playing the other night. And actually had a lot, uh, one of the major points in the game, not to give anything away, uh, like I was talking to an NPC and about their choices and kind of what was going on in the situation. And at one point in the dialogue, they actually referenced how I did things earlier in the level and that affected sort of their their speech outcome or how they were going to behave toward me. So to give you an idea, I was going sort of the more stealth, non-lethal route and that behavior actually led the NPC to say, like, oh, well, okay, I'll I'll see it your way, because obviously you're not here to hurt anyone, all of my, you know, actions in the past, so let's talk about this, or let's, you know, do whatever, so it's a very cool game, it's, um, because of that, and that's why I really like it, so. Yeah, Deus Ex was the famous for, like, yeah. in the, it's 2000, the first one came out by Warren Spector, right? Yeah. Warren Spector, like, he, it was, it was ingenious at the time, because it's, like, it was the idea that you could be pacifist you know you could go in guns blazing or you could spy or you know stealth and all that stuff so it's cool that at least that's continuing at least they kind of picked up that mantle and aren't just making a on rail shooter or something now at this point right right now they've they've definitely kept that mantle and they've also uh, like the it looks really good like this dawn engine I, i don't know the complete specs on it but uh, things look really awesome in it. I mean, it's like sort of this Neo-Tokyo environment. It's like, I mean, they've got like all the bells and whistles. Like, hey, we're sort of like at these huge draw distances, like subsurface scattering all these cloth effects. And you're just kind of going into these, you know, sort of techno slums and with this really cool lighting. And there's just so much detail to sort of the trash around and the textures and wires coming out of the walls. It's, it's a very rich experience. So I definitely recommend it. Um, it's awesome. awesome. Techno slums. I think that's going to be like the next game no. I buy right there. No, I yeah, it's it's good stuff. So, oh, and actually, I guess kind of just to dovetail off of that a little, there's also a Deus Ex Go game, which is very fun. And these, you know, these may be games of the week in the future, but um, these Go games have become quite popular from what I've heard. Um, the Hitman one, like yeah, Deus Ex. Yeah, the Hitman one. Yeah, um, and, and like the they've got a Tomb Raider and a Deus Ex one now, and those are even more complex than the hitman one like you know the, the the gameplay they've wrapped up in these is pretty cool so i definitely would recommend those as well cool nice yeah like i said great episode guys yeah, thanks just for partaking again <laughs> <laughs> coming at the very last minute yeah ryan did a good job all right ryan well right on time all for right the, so for the rapid fire i guess yeah way to go andrew <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I thank you for coming to listen to this episode. Um, hopefully, you learned something about streaming assets as well as you know Deus Ex and our many rapid fire roundup points. Um, 
well, you know, like I said, I hope you enjoyed it. So I'm Ryan Kilgore, and that's R E Kilgore uh, at R E Kilgore. Sorry <laughs> for Twitter. Fun. I always mess this up. Sorry. I'm at Andrew that underscore is no Curry. Fair, Andrew. You were in here. You didn't get to go second. I put Stan. I put Stan. <laughs> yeah, come on, move it. You've got to back the line. My name's or my Twitter handle is at O Beans. It's O with an H. Beans with a Z. Uh, mine is oh wait no actually uh, no wait Ryan went first <laughs> I think it's stroke uh, my name is Zach Schneider <laughs> yeah <laughs> for real that's why I wrote mess up Twitter handles in the outline <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and I'm at Wookie Jumper was, was it 42 yeah Wookie Jumper 42 there you go uh, mine is Eduardo CF 1989 please alright guys okay see you.